everybody. I'm Clay Brace, and it's showtime in Berks County on this beautiful global warming Saturday, right here on AM Radio WFYL, right here in Southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley. Folks, we're here because you've identified our show as a guidepost of truth. And, and you know that we pontificate, expertly pontificate, at the speed of sound. You know that. That's why you tune in every week. And you've been tuning in every week for the last five years. Folks, we do appreciate it. we got a whole lot to talk about today. I want to get into Biden's uh, Ministry of Truth, and I, I want to talk a little bit about what the White House is under fire about today and this past week. And uh, we could discuss a little bit about old Biden's incompetencies and his recent uh, head over heels uh, movement over there at the uh, West Point Cadets with the West Point graduates. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Today we've got with us we've got with us Catherine Cox. She's a she's a uh, a small businesswoman here in Berks County, Pennsylvania. She's also a a mother of seven. Uh, welcome back to the show, Catherine. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have this discussion today. Yeah, we're gonna. It's gonna be great talking to you. Now you know it's interesting uh, when you look at what's going on and how social media social media itself is like more of a poison and. You've got society right now. People in society are connecting on social media. They're connecting. Uh, they're not going out meeting people anymore. They're, they're meeting people on social media, uh, like the dating sites and everything. Nobody's meeting anymore like like they used to meet years ago. So social media is one of these things where they're just kind of flipping through the screens. And you've got people misrepresenting themselves. You know, I'm, I mean, from drag and drop videos to blurred out images, you know, you've got video editing software, which enables lies and distortions to be created. So you got this going on, but you're also using social media to, to, to basically uh, destroy people. You had a, uh, a social media uh, individual by the name of Soya Nosohi, and he created his own image on social media, which was Twitter, as a cheerleader biker uh, woman, okay? And this is instead of guy, he was a 50-year-old biker enthusiast. He, he actually changed his face to appear as a 22-year-old woman. And, you know, it's virtualization through social media and Internet, you know, it enables psychopathy. It's what it is, you know, and, 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 and people that have no constraints on the Internet. OK, the accusers have all the power and and, you know, they're there. They, they, in this world, the malevolent are victims. OK, and the malevolent psychopaths communicate in an untamed and untraveled manner via visualization. And they target people behind the scenes to savage reputations with innuendo. This is what goes on in the media. And, you know, you have emotional ignorance on the part of the listener and the viewer, okay? Uh, you know, again, uh, it has a lot to do with the fact that people have been desensitized. And I think what's interesting on all of that is, uh, you know, it, it just, like I said, people end up in a bad way. I, But you're seeing it in movies now. And I think what's interesting getting to the movies is a. The new Indiana Jones movie that, that Disney's coming out with, they're basically redefining Indiana Jones now. They're basically now going to call his role now a woman's role. And, you know, the, you know people are... So if you disagree with that role, you disagree with that position in the movie, you know, are you a, a, a bad person? Are you a person that does not believe that, you know, women can play those roles or be those roles? You know, I think we can all agree on this show that there are there are roles in movies for men and there are roles in movies for women. There's roles in life, in life for men and women. There are. 
doesn't mean that jobs can't be done by both. It just has to do with the fact of what the perceived role is, the way God created people to be. There's a perception and a, a built-in perception in a man. You know, when you define like what is a man, okay? Because mm -hmm. there's some axioms, like I said to you, there's some axioms in society, which is uh, basically they're truisms that never change, okay? And one axiom is a man of what what the mark of a man is: courageous, strong, co uncompromising, bold, being of one woman, not addicted to alcohol or drugs, and keeping their children under control, not by force but with dignity. And and a lot of that's being changed in society today because of the way they're portraying men in, in TV and the movies. And you know we have to remember that that does have a huge impact because people that perceive what a man is, I mean, if you don't, I mean, you may see it a little bit at home with your, if, unless you have a a, a, a a split up family, but like your seven kids at home, Catherine, see it because your husband's, you know, a, a good dad and he's home with them. And so yep. they're, of course, they're, they're seeing that, but in a lot of homes, they don't. So they get it, they get it from pop culture, which portrays men as, as cowards, as weaklings, as compromising and and, and not initiative taking, uh, you know, they don't take initiative. They're not, they're not bold. They're, 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 they're you know, and they, they just have no scruples, no values, no, no core beliefs. It shows men as, as that today. And so men are being confused. And I think women are being confused as well. I mean, what do you think, Catherine? Well, I, I think you're right. I think they, alongside with playing men as <clears throat> weak and not being able to get anything done, they're now playing women as uh, uncompromising, unwilling to bend, ruthless, and basically running everything. And if the man or the husband does anything wrong, they get yelled at. Well, what's really interesting, and when you look at life today, and now, of course, I, I'm only getting this from reports and sources. I'm not getting this firsthand. I do not go on TikTok or any of these social media sites. I don't. But I, I've listened to some of the commentary from people that do. And what's really uh, amazing is the way you see a lot of these women today, they're absolutely miserable. They're 30 and 40 years old, and they're wondering why men don't want to be with them. And a lot of them have to do with the fact that these women don't know how to be a woman. You know, God created masculinity and femininity, okay? These are God-created characteristics in men and women. So when you've got people that are confused with what that is, and now they're even demonizing masculinity as, as toxic, okay? I mean, I, I think, and they're, they've redefined masculinity. They've redefined femininity. So these are topics that, these are, these are subjects that have been totally redefined. And so people are confused. So women, uh, they go into the workforce. They want to pursue a job at a, a high-powered position or whatever, which is all fine and well. And they want to make a career path, but they don't understand what is it a man is wanting in a woman. A man is not does not care about a woman's career path because a man's making his own way in life. So he's looking for a partner that will support in the family and support in the home. Uh, you've heard it said when moms are not happy, the whole house is disrupted. Okay, it's the truth of it. And women make the home. They make the nest. They nest. They make the home life. They create the environment. They they control the the temperament within the house. Uh, women, I mean, you've heard it also said that beyond every successful man is a good woman. There's no, there's no question about that. When the woman creates an atmosphere in the home where a man can focus on, on success versus having to negotiate at home all the time, 
uh, it means for more success. And, you know, that's, I mean, women create those things and, and they create the family. The women actually build it. They're the building block for the family. And so what you end up with is women now getting married, um, having children and ending up in divorce because of the confused role models. People don't understand. And, you know, they, they got children in daycare and the man's like, I don't want my children in daycare. Can't we afford to do this with one paycheck and so forth? And and there's a lot of women today when you when you listen to some of these single women today that are out there, these successful single women, they don't want men that don't have their own money. They don't want men that that don't make good money. I mean, you would think about it now. A man is okay if they make more money than the woman in a dating in a dating scenario, but it's not it's not okay the other way around. And don't miss that because women today may want their independence. They may want all that, but it's not it's not okay for the man in their world to not have any money. They don't want the man getting any of their money. They want the man to have his own. And so there's there's a lot of that too, Catherine. You you, you see that you see that as well. Yes, but <clears throat> when George and I first got married, we had all these kids. I was working. However, our daycare bill was more than what I was making. So we sat down and we had a discussion and we said that whomever could make the most money outside the home is the one that will go to work. Now, naturally, whether anyone likes to hear it or not, that is George. He made more money than I could, even to this day. So do I have a problem staying home and making a home for him and taking care of his children? No, absolutely not. Do I have a problem cooking for him and clearing his plate? Absolutely not. Why? Because the man wakes up at five o'clock in the morning, goes to work, and then goes outside and makes a beautiful garden for me and doesn't go to bed till 10, 11 o'clock at night. Well, that's that's great. Everybody in Southeast Pennsylvania is going, wow, where do I find George? We're several <laughs> So, but no, you're you're right. I think there's a lot to be said. I, look, when you look at in the movies today, you've got all this. You've got the the, the need to create uh, women in these positions. What is the need for that? that this is the, the discussion I'd like to take this to. Because the, the need for that. Need? Yeah, the need for them to be at, like look at look at the all female Ghostbusters movie that flopped. That was terrible. And it's not because women can't be Ghostbusters, as silly as that sounds. It's because it was already done with men in the role, and let's face it, it was freaking hilarious. Yep. Well, you know why do you need to repeat it and put women in the role? Why? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Every time they do that, the movie flops. Okay. So what does that say about women being in those roles? It's actually diminishing them. It's not building a woman up. It's not trying to create more things for women. Absolutely not. It's trying in the background so you don't see it to distinguish eliminate not have us be you know part of anything they're trying to make it so we don't look good well there's there's there there's definitely you know it's in in movie making okay they want to create a movie producers put the investment in there they find the investors they create the movie you know the the pile of money that's going to create the movie then they hire all the staff, the directors, everybody to create the movie, write the script and the whole bit. They 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 want to create a movie that's going to sell. But these people that are creating these movies believe America wants to see 
women in hero roles and, and men not in hero roles, men in, in less than hero roles. Uh, they want to see, they believe what people want to see that. And, and people go to the movie, they know it's a movie. People understand it's a movie, but who relates to that? They believe that people want to see it. They don't, and, and, and they don't understand why these movies flop. They don't get it. They create loser after loser after loser. And Disney, right now, is not in this. They haven't made a successful movie in a while. I mean, a real blockbuster. And from what the, from what I've heard on this, this new Indiana Jones movie, you know, it got it got really lukewarm, tepid reviews uh, out of the Cannes Film Festival. That's not a good sign. And they talked a lot of and. You, they also they also commented on the applause that Harrison Ford got. He got a larger applaud applause at the end for him than the movie got. I mean, he actually got a louder applause. People didn't like the two and a half hour long movie. They didn't they didn't think it was good. They they didn't think it was funny. And it's not because it you know the woman that, that that played the hero role wasn't believable. It had more to do, I think, with the fact that society says, "I want to see it." I want to see a scenario I can relate with. And they believe that people can relate to something. They're not creating something to sell. They're creating something that they believe will sell. And I, I think in business, be successful. You find out what it is your customers want and give the, and, and want and are willing to pay for and give them more and more of it. Okay. What's interesting is the movies like Indiana Jones and, the successful Star Wars, the success, all those successful movies, those blockbuster movies, what made them successful was the was the way they were written and the fact that that you can see uh, the heroes in these movies are are heroes that are believable. Now, I mean, I mean, obviously, people flying through the air and this parkour stuff is not real, but but there's the, the people can relate to it as being real. I mean, you picture, you know, a two hundred fifty pound guy or a 220 pound guy beating up by two or three guys taking them out as more believable than you would uh you know a five foot four inch 110 pound woman okay so that's more believable and so they see that and so what they've done in hollywood is they said well let's make it more believable by bringing in small men so what's interesting is they they have these women that are five foot four five foot five inches tall and they bring guys in that are just as big they don't have any more six foot guys in hollywood and you can believe it. With any movie you see today, there's no people that are over six foot tall. You don't see them. There's no hero that's six foot two inches tall anymore. You don't see that. You know the guy that, that Jim Bray who used to play Matt, uh, who used to play uh, 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 Mike Hammer. Uh, you know he played uh, some other roles as well. But you know he's like a cowboy from Montana that played some action roles. Uh, you know he's a, uh, you know he was like six foot three inches tall and two hundred thirty pounds. You know and. And you know he looked the hero. He had the he had the physique for it. He had the look for it. He came on the screen. He commanded the presence. People like to see it. They they can relate to that. They can relate to that. They know it's a movie. They know it's fiction. But they want to be able to relate to the somewhat relate to the reality that that for for a hero to take on two or three or four people in a fight, take them all out, you have to be at least big enough to do it. And you can create the phoniness of the whole fight by making it look like, you know, everybody's the same size or smaller by bringing small people in. And this is what Hollywood's done. It just it just isn't right. And I think that people are letting the movie uh, industry know by not going to the movie. So it's interesting. And I think well, you're going you're gonna to see more and more of these people just rejecting these movies. Right. And, and it is interesting. And... If I may, my my daughter Courtney, 
she is active duty army. She was a drill sergeant. Uh, she worked at Leavenworth Prison. She was in Syria just before the earthquake hit. Um, when she was in Syria, she was training people. My daughter is 5'1", weighs about 100 pounds with a brick in her pocket. But she learned how to do certain things. So it does take three men to take her down. That being said, these movie things that they're doing, replacing men's characters with women characters, the, the, the story wasn't written for that. You take um, Beaches. Okay, take the movie Beaches, take the movie uh, First Wives Club. Do you see them remaking any of those movies that women were the main characters of? For men? No. And they're not going to because it's just silly. I'm not saying that women can't do anything men can do, like you said. But when a role is created, it's created specifically for a man or a woman. And when you change that, it flops. It's just not good. And you don't see them doing it to women's roles. You only see them doing it to men's roles. But as a society, we're redefining what roles are. In other words, we've confused and blurred the lines on everything as a society. Well, yeah. I mean, you you just said someone that was 5'4", weighs 110 pounds. I'm telling you, my daughter is 5'1", maybe 5'2", at the most, and weighs 106 pounds at most, with soaking wet with a brick in her pocket 110 pounds on a girl that's 5'4 do you know how emaciated she would look how malnourished she would look that's not possible and that's what Hollywood wants you to think they want you to think that at 5'4 5'7 you need to weigh 110 pounds no that's anorexic no it's it's right it's not healthy but it's also like I said it's just the real the reality people can relate to people and that's the whole thing with movies, you know, you relate, you know, what made movies like Mall Cops successful was that people can relate to the guy that's a security guy in the in the mall that's just trying to get through life. I mean, Mall Cop, believe it or not, a lot of Hollywood elites don't like the movie. I don't understand why, but it's an entertaining movie. And, you know, it, you know, it, you just watch the movie and you can relate to the guy in the movie because there's a lot of overweight people that are trying to fight overweightness. And that's what it is. And. In the movie, you could see the sincerity in the guy trying to fight his his weight problem, and you know, and obviously trying to be a stay home dad. I just think it's interesting. And there's movies like that people can relate to, but I want to jump subjects a little bit on some things here. Uh, you know what you have right now with the, uh, you know, uh, the Ministry of Truth. Now we ended up now what people don't realize that there was a poll. There was like some focus group, I guess the. The expert New York Times, I'm going to say the expert, I'm going to say that in, in, in air quotes. Uh, there is no such thing as the airport expert New York Times. The New York Times won the Pulitzer for, for publishing lies. And again, again, I don't need to repeat what we talked about last week, but the Trump derangement syndrome that hinges from this Russia, Russia, Russia collusion, which was all a, 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 a pretend crime that was created so they could create even more pretend probable cause so they could go after Carter Page and start investigating Donald Trump. This is what happens when the Justice Department becomes a no-justice department and becomes weaponized. And this is what we're fighting against. This is what the election is about. I was watching a, a, a taped episode of The Five, and they were talking about, and I guess the liberal on the show was talking to uh, Jesse, um, uh, I can't think of his last name, but 
the guy that does the Fox News show there. And, and, and Jesse Waters. Jesse Waters. And so Jesse Waters was was talking to this this woman, and she says, "Well, there was a a, a survey that was done, very interesting. The New York Times did a focus group. There were fifteen Democrats, and every one of them said they are not happy with Biden. They don't like him. They're concerned about Kamala Harris, but none of them are going to vote for Trump or DeSantis." And I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, well, there's a fake focus group. I mean, but when you're in a room full of communists, okay, how many are going to raise their hand and say, I support Donald Trump? Really, think about it. When you're a communist, you're being portrayed as a Democrat communist. First off, if they brought a bunch of Jacobin communists into the room for the focus group, I yes, I'll believe you. I don't think any of these people are going to vote for Donald Trump or, or Ron DeSantis. None of them. They're all Jacobin revolutionaries. But if you brought in the average mom or dad voter that might have made the mistake and voted for dementia, if they did, believe me, they're not. This, this is what the focus group doesn't get right. And remember, CNN actually directed that focus group. Anybody that watched Trump's focus group on CNN saw how the moderator could actually control the focus group. They have ways of doing it. So don't miss that, folks. All right. So just because the New York Times says none of them will change their votes, that doesn't mean that's real. I'm convinced that three out of ten are going to switch their votes right off the bat if they see a guy that, that falls going up the stairs one more time as he <laughs> fell over there in West Point. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? I can't believe he fell at the Air Force graduation ceremony. I couldn't stop laughing. I'm sorry. I know that's not what you asked. But it was it was terrible. My thoughts is that I'll never vote for him. I'll vote for Trump. I don't care if he spouts off at the mouth. I'm not hiring him for his eloquence. I'm hiring him to do a job, not be nice. If I wanted someone nice, I would not hire him. And no one nice would be good. Well, what you need is a fighter. And when you look at the body, yeah. you look at Gideon and Samson, they were imperfect people that God used to rescue Israel. But what are we fighting against? We're fighting against a, 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 a guy, I mean, dementia, okay, Joe O. Biden, who quite frankly is out of touch with reality, but he also can't even compose a complete sentence. This is a guy who has to read his press conference on a on a card. This is a guy that, that basically has to read his press conference, not just with the uh, with a prime minister of another country, okay, but also with the press. He has to have his questions. He has to have his people he's going to call on. Everything's written down. The questions are there. Why is he? And, and then he can't even do that. I mean, literally, he can't even read that. But the same guy that has that level of incompetence, I mean, do we all remember the Ministry of Truth when he attempted to install the, the radical Ministry of Truth from 1984 with Nina Jankowicz? The Department of Homeland Security was going to lead this new effort to combat disinformation. So they they put this out there. Jen Psaki par paraded Nina Jankowicz out there and said she's an expert on online disinformation. Well, she was an expert. She is an expert because she produces online disinformation. So, yes, they get someone who produces online dis disinformation to be the expert on online disinformation. And she has extensive qualifications to be a liar online and to uh, silence opposition, to silence truth tellers, to 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 redirect people from shows like this. Uh, you know, that's what they want to do. They want to basically create this this uh, department of the Ministry of Truth 
I mean, this is the same. This is a, these are the same people that tried to give us this ministry of truth. And uh, I mean, you remember that happening, Catherine? Uh, yes, yes, I do. I mean, what are your thoughts on a ministry of truth? Do we need a ministry of truth? I think that we need um, an overhaul of our media. That's what I think. I don't think we need necessarily a ministry of truth. I think we need to start listening to the truth. And I think that our media should start getting in trouble for lying. So are you saying people should be listening to us instead of CNN? Yes. <laughs> Why would you listen? To, I, haven't, I don't even know the last time I even looked at CNN or NBC or ABC or NPR or AP or I, I can't tell you how many Fox I listened to before they fired Trump. I mean, uh, Tucker. Now I haven't even listened to Fox. I, I, I haven't watched Fox in a long time. <clears throat> but when you look at the Department of Homeland Security and when they created that new disinformation governance board led by Nita Jankowicz, Jankowicz had a long history of promoting online censorship. And this is where I was going with that discussion at the early part of our show. I mean, what what is online? I mean, what do these people do online? And, you know, you look at the fact that, you know, the Again, you've got people recreating themselves online, their own images online. You had a 50-year-old biker enthusiast uh, actually looking like a 22-year-old woman biker enthusiast. I mean, this is what happens. You've got, you, you've got this selfish sense of superiority. That's what you have. And you, you know, this, the, 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 and an, you have an air of, of superiority with the way they, they, they build themselves up online and disregard someone else's opinion. And even belittle others' accomplishments. I mean, you know. I mean, the bottom line is, it's emotional ignorance. As I said before, when they're when they're wrong-headed and corrected, they'll justify themselves by belittling others' uh, opinions. Okay, they're they're skilled people pleasers, but they exploit relationships with their social charms. You know, it's really an amazing thing. So Nina Jekowitz was, yes, yeah, she was. She truly was. A, uh, a person that, uh, you know, thought that she could dupe everybody. And I thought it was interesting because, uh, again, she she missed it. And the Ministry of Disinformation, I thought that was so, so rich. And I thought, you know, bottom line is, I mean, that's where I'm at on all this. I, I just think that you have, you've got people out there that miss the fact of what is possible on social media. And so Nita Jankowicz made her bones on social media. So she, I guess she has a long history promoting online censorship and promoting what's real and not real on social media, I guess. But I mean, but look, this new panel, and again, they, they tried to diminish, remember they tried to diminish what the panel was going to do. So Jen, Jen Saki was out there doing damage control. I'll never forget it. She, we got this new panel, but look, uh, you know, it's going to be a continuation of work. I mean, you know, the, we're, we're not going to just throw it in there. It's going to be a continuum because she realized it's very unpopular. Okay. So when asked about Jake, which is job description, again, Saki was vague, but said it was a continuation of the work of the former president, referring to Trump and the department's efforts to combat misinformation used by smugglers. So now she's basically like, oh, well, Trump started doing this. The bottom line is, I agree with you, there'll be a total dismantling of the media. There is no such thing as media. This is all tabloid news. Yes, it's all, it should all be up at the top saying for entertainment purposes only. It, it's tabloid news. Yep. You know, 
I mean, woman was impregnated by a Martian. I mean, that's what you're going to read on CNN. That's what you'll read on CNN or, or an MSNBC anymore. I mean, it's the truth. I mean, it, it's interesting. When Tucker Carlson aired the nine, you know, the, 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 uh, the January 6th videos, when he aired them, he showed the Capitol Police opening the doors. We asked the question, how did this guy get into, get into Nancy Pelosi's office? He had his feet up on the desk. Who is this guy? And how did he get in there? Well, all right, he, 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 didn't, he had no business being in there with his feet up on her desk, and, he, and he's in jail for it. But I think the thing of it is, is how did he get in there? How did he get past all that security? You know, I've been to the Capitol building, and I was there a couple of times on tours. I can tell you that's a secure building. So you wonder how the secure building, one of the most secure buildings on planet Earth on January 5th, could have been overrun by about three or 500 unarmed protesters help me understand that one yeah well i think we you know we already did that we we discussed that they did it on purpose they they loosened they laxed up the security they loosened up everything they were hoping that they could entrap people they set it all up they set it all up this was all on purpose they knew what was going to happen they wanted it to happen they incited the crowd they didn't have any actual security I mean, come on. If you know a crowd is coming to your front door, what are you going to do? You're going to do everything you can to not let them in. They did everything they could to let people in. And on another hand, whether or not we should have done that, whether or not we did do that, or they did that, pretending to be us, which is what I think, um, that's our building. This country is for the people, by the people, of the people, not for the elitist and you know, uh, and peasants. Right. I, I agree. I, there's no question about it. And and again, there's a whole lot more to it than meets the eye. There was a report earlier this past week where Jim Jordan uh, is looking into the FBI's role in Trump's special counsel investigation after Durham's report exposed the political bias. So the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, I've met Jim Jordan. I've met him. He's a great guy. You know, he's a, he's a former wrestler, high school wrestler. You know, it's funny. You can always see the high school wrestlers, who they are when they're adults, because their ears are all, like, all like small anymore because they've been rolled around on mats with, you know, in wrestling moves, and that's what happens. But anyway, but Jordan launched a probe to conduct uh, uh, oversight over special counsel Jack Smith's probe into Trump for handling of the papers in Mar-a-Lago. So in a letter to the AG, the Department of... Uh, of no justice Merrick Garland uh, Jordan requested information about the probe to ensure the investigation wasn't politicized by the FBI uh, again which suffers from a lack of public trust after what happened in 2016 with the Russia 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 phony crime I, I, I every time I say it I'm blown away that the public isn't more outraged over this regardless of political bias well, regardless of any of that I mean, this makes Watergate look like, you know, child's play. Exactly. Everything that's going did, on today makes it look like child's play. What, what the government did in weaponizing the Justice Department, I'm unbelievable. I, I can't even, I, I, I don't want to spend the rest of the show talking about it, but I could. I'm absolutely breathless over this. As as voters, as as citizens of this country, you and I can both ascertain that the FBI needs an overhaul. And I will tell you, who is going to do the best overhaul? A re-election of O'Biden to communist to Harris or 
Trump, okay, I think Trump will take that Justice Department and the FBI and move it to Springfield, Missouri, or View, Montana. I think he'll get it out of the uh, out of the intellectual corridor here in the in the East Coast and put it where the salt of the earth reside. I mean, that's what I think, and I think he'll he'll revamp the entire upper echelon. I mean, yep. I mean, so so Jordan puts this together, and basically, you know. He basically talked about the FBI losing its credibility, and they already have documented political bias. I mean, this is a known fact. We have documented political bias that was in the Durham report. That Don't miss that, okay? And it was a crossfire hurricane. So Durham reported a report confirmed what, what all of us was, were talking about for the last six years, seven years. Uh, that this was all misinformation from the FBI, okay? But the FBI launched that politically motivated attack against the president using the weak pretext to swiftly initiate a probe into him while dismissing intelligence that Hillary Rodham Clinton's campaign plotted to perpetuate the false narrative. So they dismissed that, they dismissed that, you know, and they just pursued the lie. It was unbelievable, unconscionable. But public trust right now in the FBI is very low, and I think that's extremely low. I mean, Crossfire Hurricane was something that that was that was brought up, and and it had to do with uh, you know Hillary Clinton and, and the Clintons. And that's the whole point. I'm not going to get into that on this show, but you know, they, Jim Jordan's are requesting that they provide the following information. So he wants to see the FBI provide information about the use of their personnel by Special Counsel Jack Smith including but not limited to the following, like the total number of FBI employees assigned to the work. And he, he wants to know how many people were there. He wants to know the number of FBI employees from FBI headquarters working on the investigation and the number of FBI employees from, the, from Washington field offices working on the investigation. So he wants to know how many people from the headquarters, how many people from the, from the field office, and how many total employees were assigned. He wants to get those facts. Because they now know it was a phony investigation. So they want to expose, they want to expose the wasted resources of the FBI. You see, this is what Jim Joyce. Now, this is news, folks. Our listeners who are tuning into us here in Southeast Pennsylvania, Catherine, tune in because they know they're going to get stuff like this on our show. So we're bring this up because we know our listeners want to hear it and they're not getting this anywhere else. Folks, this is news. We're going to see, because Jim Jordan's asking for this information, we're going to see how many people the FBI put to work on this investigation, not just from headquarters, but field offices. We're going to know the total number of FBI employees who were assigned to work on this phony investigation. And then they're going to find out, they're going to explain whether any FBI employees have worked on special counsel Smith's investigation that previously worked on any other matters concerning Trump. Now they're going to want to track down these people and see if they were working you know, on other matters concerning Trump. I think that's interesting. And they're also going to find out whether Smith's investigation relies on information or or material gathered exclusively by the FBI prior to the special counsel's appointment. So now they want to find out what was done before the appointment anyway. So George's letter comes as a special counsel's probe reportedly is nearly complete, and Merrick Garland appointed a special counsel to investigate Trump's alleged mishandling of classified documents, along with his efforts to challenge the 2020 presidential results. What they're doing now is they're going to say the FBI is already, they are already discredited 
And now you guys want to go into against Trump again. But I think what's really interesting, they want to see how many people were thrown into this phony investigation. Investigation, everyone knew was phony. So they're going to break it down. So this guy, special counsel Jack Smith, I mean, we're going to find out how many millions and millions of $50 million or more they wasted on this, Catherine. Yes. We're going to, we're hopefully we'll find it all out, but I wonder whether we actually will. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll find out. They'll, the only reason I wonder that is because I, I got to say, I'm very confused as to how all this is actually happening. I mean, if, if this would have happened to Reagan or Kennedy or Lincoln or so many others, I, I just don't understand how we got to a point where we can literally go after a former president for something that's not even illegal. And we're just allowing it to happen, Clay. We're just allowing it to happen. Why? Well, I think what it is, is the media, there's no outrage. That's why, Catherine. See, what outrage is a manufactured element from media coverage. So what happens is, like, what made Watergate, what, why was Watergate outraged? Why was there so much public outrage? Because there was wall-to-wall media coverage on it. I mean, what happened with the bugging of the of the of the offices and so forth? It was bad. It was all bad. But the outrage was was all broadcasted on all the news channels uh, as long as many hours as they could have had. You know what you see today is the media creating outrage. They create outrage with uh, you know individuals. They create outrage in the sense of 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 people. You know what's happening so the media gets out there and they they manufacture it and in this case they don't manufacture it all they don't even report it you know i can remember back in the 80s my dad used to declare in the 80s constantly there was media imbalance or you know there was uh media bias oh and i remember thinking dad what are you talking about this just reporting the news you go no 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 this bias you can't see it I'm like well i really don't see it dad but it was really subtle it's really subtle. today it's not subtle it's overt yeah, I think just they just don't report it, and so like I said, you got this investigation. Jen Jordan's requesting this information. You would think everybody in the media would want to get to the bottom of the FBI and their wasted efforts for years and years on an investigation into a phony crime with phony probable cause that they knew was phony. That it's evidence it was phony. You would think yep. they know who else in the FBI was behind this phony investigation. And the more people like us talk about it, the more we remind Americans the misplaced outrage of Americans today. There, there is no outrage over media lies, and this is where I'm at on this. I'm not, I'm not content. I'm, I'm very uh, concerned. In, in my opinion, like you said, there is no outrage. There's no outrage at MSN 13, MS13 gang members are released into the U.S. by federal authorities. There's no outrage. After they kill a 15-year-old boy. You know, they release these gang members and they kill somebody and there's no outrage. Where's the outrage? No. Instead, we're trying to tell us that MS-13 isn't a threat. Again, where's the outrage? You know, when you look at the fact that that the media denies the outrage, you wonder why Trump is winning in polls now. I mean, Trump's ahead of DeSantis right now by 30 points in any poll. Oh, wow. In any poll. Now, DeSantis just kicked off his campaign, but when Trump is in the same room as DeSantis, he takes the oxygen out of the room. There's nothing I left just better DeSantis, say that. DeSantis, yeah, it's an unbelievable thing. 
most Republicans believe Trump has a better chance to win in 2024. That's the reason. I mean, we all love DeSantis, but we want to win. Yeah. And when you, I, I want to win. Yeah. And when Republicans are asked the question, which, who do you think has the best chance of winning, Trump or DeSantis? Sixty percent believe Trump has the best chance of winning. Twenty-seven percent believe DeSantis. And there's thirteen percent that say not too short. I mean, Trump owns the party. This is Trump's party, okay? And a plurality of independents, okay, 34% believe Trump has the best chance. 23% say DeSantis. So, and you got 43% are unsure. But what's interesting on that is, again, you got 57% have weighed in. And 34 of them believe Trump's going to win. Again, about 60% of those that believe he can win, that have an opinion, believe Trump can win. So it's about the same number, if you will, as the Republicans. Now, one-third of Democrats, one-third of these, okay, 35% believe DeSantis has a better chance than Trump, compared to 27% who believe Trump has a better chance. So now the Democrats really want DeSantis to run. I should say they want Trump to run, because they believe DeSantis has a better chance to win. But Democrats are not confident in their chances. 38% are unsure, but... I mean, you're asking Democrats, who has a better chance to beat the Democrats? I think that's it. That's an interesting poll. Let me ask you a question. Yeah, I mean, you're, we're both Republicans. We're both in the Republican Committee in Burke Standish. So let me just ask you a question, okay, Kevin. If you were asked a question, okay, uh, you know, which Democrat had the best chance of beating your presidential person? I mean, would you even, I, I would say none. Be like, none. I would no. give them the satisfaction to give me a name, would you? No. No, why would I give them my, my uh, what is it, what's it called, your game plan? Why would you give someone your game plan? I, I think it's interesting that they ask Democrats who has the best chance of beating Democrats. And these, these, these group think leftists all had an opinion. I thought actually more than half had an opinion. The other 43% said, I'm not answering that question. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. I wonder why they said no. <laughs> right. But, you know, all of it coincides with two other surveys that were seen released earlier, which show Republicans being more confident in Trump uh, than, than to, you know, to, to win in 2024. And they all believe he's going to pull it off. I think there was an Economist YouGov, uh, YouGov poll that came out that saw 58% of Republicans expressing. So this was another one. And again, Trump has the edge of mining among independents and Democrats as well. As 32% of the independents chose Trump, and 27% who chose DeSantis. I thought it was interesting. And as I stated before, it's just interesting to see uh, Republicans, I should say Democrats, not having confidence in their own party. And, I'll, and I go back to that to that uh, that focus group that was being cited on the five, that where the Democrat, with the, the liberal that was on the panel was, saying, was, was citing the New York, the New York Times survey. Trying to say that, oh yeah, well, uh, but none of them would would switch switch their votes. You know, when you're sitting in a room full of communists, and the guy that's conducting the uh, the the interview says, now none of you guys would be like even considering voting for Trump or DeSantis. Would you? How many here would do that? Who's going to raise their hand? I'm I, sorry. Well, you say you broke up a little bit. No, I said I said I said if you're in a, a focus group study, and and the focus group survey uh, host. Says none of you folks in this room would uh, in this study right now would vote for DeSantis or Trump. So, but let me ask you, how many how many would? You know, I mean, I, I don't think you get an honest answer for many very many people. So, I don't take that. I've watched the focus group 
be slammed by the CNN phony expert. I mean, I saw it on TV. I saw how they hold their focus groups. I mean, Catherine, don't you think they can conduct a focus group to, 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 to thwart the results, to make it look like it meant something else? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. They do it all the time. They change everything all the time just to make sure that they can get their narrative to go. I absolutely well, I think so. Huh? I guess what's interesting, too, is and now you're watching guys like Howard Dean think DeSantis is a nice guy. Chris Wallace saying DeSantis should be careful. Trump is his undefeated champion of insult politics. Chris, Now, Chris Wallace is interesting. So Chris Wallace gets out there. Is anybody listening to Chris Wallace right now? I mean, does that yeah. man, does that man have an audience of more than one when he's in a mirror? No, I, I, don't, I, mean, I think he's bored with himself. I mean, really. I mean, he's he's on CNN. Nobody watches his show, okay? But he's on CNN as the CNN this morning. Certainly not the news or Communist News Network in the morning. So you know, he says, uh, you know. So I guess he's asked the question. Uh, you know, I, I well, he was he was, you know, he was being he was talking to Ray, uh, Rahel Solomon. Uh, again, uh, about the Santis and Trump. And Wallace said that we secretly don't, probably don't want to admit it, but secretly at least political reporters love it. The idea of these two guys going toe-to-toe, hand-to-hand, insult-to-insult. But see, he says DeSantis has been a candidate, a formal candidate, for about three days. And they look forward to this for about six or seven more, eight months going forward on how long the nomination goes. But he says, you know, Trump is the king of, of insults. I mean, this is a guy... Again, who's watching him? Who even thinks that this guy has an opinion, okay, that would resonate with anybody? Look, I, they're, 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 Jen Psaki, I think, said it best. The GOP wants Biden because he's old and he's incompetent. And she says the old white man, but it has more to do with the fact he's just old. And uh, so she makes a comment uh, that they, uh, you know, they, they, they think that uh, Biden mis, mis, misunderestimated where people assume and again he's too old. He's just he's miss he's underestimating his 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 reelectability. Everyone knows it. Uh, Trump's going to get reelected. These people are all shocked. See, they're they're in absolute head exploding mold. But when they're watching Trump beating DeSantis in the polls, they know what's going to happen next year. What's going to happen next year, Catherine? Is going to happen, and they're going to be not believing it even while it's happening. You know, they're going to be like, I can't believe it's happening while it's happening. They know what they did to get Biden in is put off the inevitable. America first is coming to life again next year, Catherine. Good. Good. Because it should. Our country. I just you you say what what drove me to want to do this. And there's so many different things, one of which is. That I'm sick and tired of all these people being put into power that really don't care about any of us. He was the first one in a long time that actually cared about us. And I don't think they want that. And as he has said many times, they're not coming after him. They're coming after us. And Steve Forbes actually said that Biden is not going to win just based upon the economy alone. Well, what I thought was interesting... Is the Democrats are in, 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 in complete denial. Joy, joyless read, joyless read on 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 the readout on CNN or on MSNBC's readout. Joyless read said, she goes, I don't feel like oh Biden has this misunderestimated thing where people assume, oh he's too old, he doesn't know what he's doing, and then he keeps delivering, delivering on what misery, 
I mean, I mean, she joyless Reed is delivering on what joyless. So then he tripped, and then she goes. And then she further comments. She says he tripped over. I guess it was a sandbag, and Twitter and the right are going crazy. It's the most important thing in the world. First of all, Trump is seventy six, and he's not exactly young. Well, first off, Trump has all his faculties. He's out there playing golf on the golf course, and you got O'Biden falling up the stairs. O'Biden writing writing down his notes. Trump would do a presser. Trump would go to the helicopter. He would come off and go to his helicopter and take him to, to Air Force One. And he'll pass the, the press gaggle, and they're all standing there, and he literally would spend an hour and a half talking to the press all the time. O'Biden yeah. walks right past him and doesn't even answer questions. I mean, well, one he can't answer the, questions. Well, he can't answer the questions. So, yeah, and, he just walks right by. I mean, but they know, they know that they have a real problem. They have an unelectable guy. They've already backed. They're getting, they are, this is the quintessential metaphorical example of a political party backing a political horse in a horse race with a heart condition and also a brain condition. And what's really, what's really amazing is it's just now hitting them. Oh my goodness, we've already told everybody we're not going to have any debates. And then you have these liberals saying, well, the, nobody in the Democrat Party wants anything to do with Robert Kennedy Jr. What are you talking about? 20% of the Rep Democrats are upset that there's no political debate for Robert Kennedy. You've got to be kidding me. But the thing of it is, is that the party literally has been taken over by Jacobin revolutionists. They're not Americans, America first Americans. These are people that are China first Americans. These are people that want to see the demise of this country. These are people that believe that this country was founded on evil premises. They believe that we're an evil, rotten country. They don't see us as the great nation we are, and therefore they are okay with uh, losing, okay, well, you know, with losing in a trade deal or whatever. I mean, now, I got to ask you now, what's going on in Philadelphia? I guess they're banning masks on public transportation now because they want to fight crime. So now they're getting rid of masks on public transportation. So Philadelphia now is manning, is banning masks on the SEPTA buses. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Is this a little late in coming? What do you think? Yeah, it is a little late in coming. And I don't, I, why all of a sudden are they now banning them? You say well, it's fine? SEPTA's, SEPTA's banning them, okay? SEPTA's banning mm -hmm. them. Okay, public transportation. Because the mayor, okay, the mayor, uh, well, I guess the Philadelphia Magazine, I, I, I'm sorry, Philadelphia Magazine responded to calling the ban, saying it won't reduce crime. They're, they're claiming that the ban is just a reactive attempt to confront crime. Okay? I mean, I mean I'm amazed that anybody wants people to wear masks. We were joking. I, I remember when we were wearing masks going to businesses. I'm like, now I don't go to banks. I usually use the ATM and use the drive-through. But imagine going to a bank with a mask on. No. Now, and for like two years, it was acceptable behavior to go into a bank with a mask on. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess that you know you got these people that have been so programmed to thinking masks are okay. You know, you know what's interesting is you actually have Americans today that are willing to say, they're willing to lay down their rights. For independence and their rights for, uh, you know, not having to wear a mask, a mask that wasn't going to prevent a virus from getting you anyway. 
You're not going to have no. a virus, virus with a mask. What do you think, Catherine? No. It even says on the side of the box, not for medical use. No. A mask what? isn't going it, to... And, and quite frankly, I thought it was ridiculous. If you were talking about the Spanish flu and you want people to wear masks, well, first off, the mask ain't going to do anything for the Spanish flu. But I could understand you being all upset over that. Not over the coronavirus, which is literally just a common cold. A little on steroids. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. That's literally it. Well, and they want to act like it's, it's the Spanish flu or Ebola or the Black Plague. These, I could understand saying, hey, let's try and stay home. I could understand those. But not this. This, is a, this, I think, was a complete overreach just to see if we would comply. Well, I think what's interesting, and you made the comment, you know, it, it, it's the... The COVID virus, well, it, it was it was not really a flu. It had flu-like symptoms. It was a man-created virus that attacks different parts of the body. Okay, that that's a fact. But it's not really a flu. But it does attack the body in different ways, and and you can in, incur flu-like symptoms. The thing of it is, though, it had a one half of one percent mortality rate. Fatality rate, one half of one percent. Now. When you compare that with everybody that died, that was under, you know, over 70 years old, which was most of the fatalities, if you take the, the number of people that contracted the virus that died that were under 70, it was like one-tenth of one percent. Yeah. Okay. So the, the reality is most, like you said, people survived it, and that's the truth. And they were begging for a vaccination that, quite frankly, uh, now many are seeing um there was a lot of harm in that because people actually contracted issues from this vaccination as the vaccination was changing their DNA. Look, we have yes. to leave it there, folks. We have to leave it there. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning into our show today and for taking the time on this beautiful Saturday morning to be with us, as you do every week and you have been for the last five years. Thanks for being with us today, folks. Tune in later today for our show, The Watchman. We've got a great show lined up for that. Catherine and I will be back for that as well. So see you next week, folks, on The Point. For Catherine Cog, I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.